world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. This week on Parents Are Hard to Raise, Parkinson's Disease, How to Recognize the Early Symptoms, Some Innovative Self-Help Tips, Plus New Technology and Scientific Breakthroughs that are offering some real help. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. So I had a little bit of a crazy week. Um, you know, the holidays uh, were just here, and I I always send um, you know clients not only cards but um, I send them flowers uh, for birthdays and, you know, Christmas, d different occasions, just because sometimes it's the only thing they get. Some some people who maybe don't have children or children aren't nearby and they can't come and um, or they don't have neighbors that they know. And uh, so it, it's nice, you know, because they'll call me and, you know, there's a, a couple who... Um, the husband takes care of his wife and, and, uh, the wife has Alzheimer's and she's really, she's declining and, um, she's getting a little bit harder and harder to handle on the off time when he doesn't have help in the home, um, uh, because he wants some quiet, you know, time f for himself. And, uh, so he said, I didn't, I didn't expect, you know, to have this Christmas, uh, with my wife. He said, I thought last Christmas would be the last one. And, you know, I sent, um, I try to send different kind of floral arrangements. You know, I drive the florist crazy because, you know, I, I don't want just the everyday looking thing because I want something that will spark something. And, you know, he said to me, oh, um, you know, his his wife, you know, with Alzheimer's, he said that she looked at the flowers and she smiled, you know, so that that's warms my heart, you know, that it, it, it brought out a smile in her and in him because I knew he was having a really uh, tough few months. And he's like, Oh, it was so nice. You know, we appreciate it. And it just brightens up our day. So, you know, if you know someone who doesn't have children or uh, even your parents, you know, and you're not in the area, uh, send them something different, you know, it'll, it'll brighten their day. And I also um, had a, a, a woman who one of my clients, she turned um, 98. And so I love sending for uh, clients birthdays. Um, this florist in the area, they make this great uh, arrangement. It looks like a birthday cake. It looks it's looks so good to eat. You know, it's like with white, I don't know the type of flowers. I can't remember, but it's like, you know, white flowers and they had throw some pink in there for icing and some flowers to look like candles. And it's just, it looks like a cake and it gives them such a thrill. And so this woman, you know, this client, she called me, she's like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's so different. You know,
know, she said, the only thing I, and what I wish for on that is to be younger, you know, so anyway, just, you know, you can brighten up someone's day. Um, And, you know, at the same time, we have, um, you know, I had a client who is, his wife passed away, and the poor guy, his, uh, his children weren't in the area, and, um, you know, it happened very quickly, and, you know, he called me on Friday, and the poor man was, you know, crying so hard because he, he just, I, I, I don't think he had the time to um, even realize that his wife was dying. The steps went that quickly, you know, and and so he even just called, you know, before he called hospice, the hospice nurse to come out, and, and before he called his son, you know, and I, I was on the phone with him, and I said, are you all alone, you know, and that's a tough thing for a person, you know, to have to deal with that, to be all alone, and, um, you know, but anyway, so anything you can do to brighten someone's uh, your parents or, you know, one of their neighbors or someone you notice. And we always talk about that if your parent is in an assisted living or in a nursing home and there's someone who doesn't have anyone just to brighten up their day. It means so much to an elderly person who's all alone. Um, so let me get to our emails. Um, and I got an email from Beth from Niagara Falls, New York this week. And she said, my mom had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, um, years ago, but I've noticed, you know, lately that she's moving slower and slower and she won't let me help her do anything. You know, is there anything I can do? Um, and that's tough, you know, and I don't think we've talked about Parkinson's disease before. Um, you know, one of, Uh, the most important steps in helping someone to move safely is to allow them to do as much as possible for themselves. So you want to try to let them, you know, control their movements as much as they are able. And we want to avoid the tendency of trying to take over or rushing. We have to allow them to move on their own time and with their own ability. And, you know, we we also may have a tendency because maybe we're, you know, we have to, be, you might, Beth maybe has to go to work or something, you know, and, and uh, you know, we, we might want to pull your mom up or, you know, you never want to push or, or pull them when somebody needs to move. And, you know, people with Parkinson's, they're, they're, they move slower. They're, they often move slower, and we have to give them plenty of time, and I, I know that's tough. So for people who aren't familiar with Parkinson's, um, I'll just simply, you know, tell you, you know, it's a disorder of the central nervous system that affects movement. And um, simply put, you know, it causes a section of the brain to deteriorate, and it deteriorates slowly and steadily, like almost in stages. Um, And the symptoms normally appear very slow, and they develop gradually over time. And the stage at which which the symptoms appear, uh, the speed at which they progress, or the severity of the symptoms vary from person to person. You know, Parkinson's affects everyone differently, and the symptoms vary from person to person and there's a wide range of symptoms and some of the early signs um, they may be or symptoms may be mild and even go unnoticed Um, 
you know, person may be fatigued, they may be constipated, they may have a reduced sense of smell, they can't um, identify certain odors or distinguish one odor from another. You know, their handwriting rate may change, their writing may appear small and be very difficult to read. Their face may show little or no emotion. Their arms maybe don't swing when they walk. You may notice um, their speech becomes more monotone or soft or slurred, or they're hesitant before they're talking. And symptoms often begin on one side of the body and usually remain worse on that side, even when the symptoms begin to affect both sides of the body. And, you know, as Parkinson's progresses, symptoms may worsen or change over time and new symptoms may appear. And it can take years for the symptoms to progress to a point where they cause a problem. And, you know, one of the symptoms that is most well known are those tremors or the shaking. And they usually begin in a limb like the hand or the fingers. And it's most noticeable when a person tries to complete a task like, you know, picking up a glass of water. Or you may see them rub their finger and thumb of one hand in a motion, in, in, you know, a certain motion, which is called pill rolling. Um, Characteristic of Parkinson's disease is a tremor of a hand when the hand is relaxed or at rest. And many symptoms are related to physical movement. Um, And later on, you know, there's muscle stiffness or weakness. And the stiffness in the muscles, it limits them to be able to move their joints to the joints full potential, or they have slow movement. And they, you know, the Parkinson's may reduce their ability to move. So their steps become shorter when they're walking, they're hard to get hard to get out of a chair, their posture may stoop, they may start you notice them taking smaller steps or shuffling or dragging their feet they're having difficulty walking they may start to have balancing issues drooling and what causes parkinson's disease you know they're not exactly sure what the cause is they do know that the trouble starts in some brain cells and it's in the cells that make a chemical called dopamine And those start to die. And dopamine is like a messenger. It tells another area of your brain when you want to move a part of your body. So when the cells making dopamine start to die, the dopamine levels drop. And when they get too low, the person can't control their movements. And they start with Parkinson's symptoms. And no one knows what triggers the death of those cells. Scientists, you know, think it could be your genes and the environment that are working off each other in a way that we really don't understand. And when they talk about your genes, your genes are like your body's instruction book. So a change in one of them can make your body work in a slightly different way. And sometimes that means you're more likely to get certain diseases. Now, certain gene variations appear to increase the risk of Parkinson's disease if you have one or more of these changes, but it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that someone's going to get Parkinson's disease. Some people get it, some people don't.
Environmental triggers, um, you know, they look at ongoing exposure to herbicides and pesticides that may put you in a slightly increased risk of Parkinson's. And, you know, I think about, it's funny, I have a client who, she was um, a florist. Her, Her and her husband were florists her whole life, and she developed Parkinson's. But her husband didn't. So I just think about, you know, is that an environmental trigger? Uh, Parkinson's is also often accompanied by additional problems, um, thinking difficulty, which usually occurs in later stages of Parkinson's, depression, emotional changes, there's fear, anxiety, or loss of motivation. Sometimes people have swallowing difficulty, but in typical Parkinson's, you really see that as being severe. You do see saliva accumulation in the mouth, and that's just due to slower swallowing, and that could lead to drooling. People with Parkinson's can have sleeping problems. They wake up more frequently throughout the night, bladder problems, and constipation, which is mainly due to slower digestive tract. They can have blood pressure changes. They can get dizzy and lightheaded when they go to stand. They can have, you know, a sudden decrease in their blood pressure. And I know for this particular client that I was talking about with Parkinson's, that happens a lot to her. She gets up and she has these dizzy and she feels dizzy and lightheaded. So, and when we come back from the break, we can talk about what, what we can do to try to help with exercise, balance, etc. you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise and although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day, she was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000 pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. You're listening to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Happy 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 
to welcome our new listeners from all parts of Italy, Napoli, Milano, Arezzo, and Messina, which is in Sicily, which is where my grandfather was from. That's wonderful. Welcome. So we were talking about Parkinson's disease, and um, I want to mention exercise being an important part to help manage the symptoms. Of course, you know, you have to check with your parents, doctor, uh, physical therapist, um, but you know, uh, the kind of exercise you do and how much depends on the symptoms and the person's overall health. Um, you know, if there, you, you want to try to walk the person with Parkinson's, of course, try to warm up, cool down and only start out with 10 minute increments. They, uh, the person can also do exercises with their face muscles, their jaw, their voice when possible, you know, try to have them sing or read aloud, um, exaggerate lip movements and, you know, let them make faces in mir- in a mirror, you know, give them a mirror and let them make faces. When they chew, <laughs> you want to ch- tell them to chew vigorously, energetically, you know, because they're exercising their jaw. Um, you know, if you can, uh, water exercises are great because it's easier on the joints and it requires less balance. And if you can, in, in their home, if you can install grab bars, you know, um, in, uh, along the walls so that they can, person can always grab on to something because people have a tendency to grab the first thing they, you know, they come across. And a lot of times it's a rolling, you know, chair or something or something. Or my father, you know, he grabbed onto the bottom part of a recliner, which moved, you know, the, the foot part and he fell. So you have to, you know, something that they can grab onto. And, you know, our parents, we all do it to keep in balance, have them keep one hand free all the time and carry things, you know, in a backpack or walker basket, you know, don't carry things in both hands. You want to keep your hands free while you're walking because that'll interfere with balance. And something quite common, you know, in Parkinson's patients is that freezing, you know, they stop suddenly while they're trying to move and their movements become frozen. It feels like their feet are glued to the floor and they can easily fall when that happens. And that, that freezing, freezing usually happens, you know, when they're, they're starting to walk or they're stepping through doorways. They're trying to turn a corner or change direction, getting up from a chair. And it, it's usually temporary, you know, and then th- when they get past that, they could start walking again. But, you know, I've had clients who, you know, they, they were by themselves and they, they were in that freeze and it lasted longer and the person could just not, she couldn't just stand there anymore and she fell backwards. So, um, you know, it can link, uh, be linked to serious falls. A lot of times that freezing is linked to that medication cycle. So the med- medications are starting to wear off or um, they may be in an unfamiliar environment. Uh, but freezing can also happen to their speech if they're brushing their teeth or doing repetitive activities. So make sure they always are taking medications on time. And if they can walk to a rhythm, you know, if they can listen to music or a beat, that helps. And if they, they want to focus on long steps, 
avoid any distractions while they're walking. Um, a lot of times people install floor tiles because there's the lines in the floor. So sometimes, you know, when, when they have that freezing, they can visualize a line to step over. Um, if that freezing happens, stand still and try to start swinging your arms. That's hard sometimes. They have to really concentrate on being able to move their arms or shift their weight from foot to foot or start marching, you know, left, right, left, right, and start, you know, even even verbalizing it, left, right, you know, in step. And they also have walkers and canes that project a laser line. So um, you can check with, you know, your doctor, physical therapist, but they have those for Parkinson patients. Um, you know, check with your mom or dad's physical therapist, of course, the doctor, but you know, I, I've noticed that the straight cane with the rubber tip is more helpful because those quad canes or tripod canes, um, you know, they the, their patient is less stable with them and all the points don't hit the floor at the same time. And um, a walker with four wheels, it makes turning easier. Um, or a special walker with the larger wheels, those swivel casters and the handbrakes, those are helpful, more helpful because, um, you know, the standard walker, they have to, they have to lift it up. They could fall backwards where the, the ones with the wheels are, are a little bit more steady. Um, also a walker with a seat, you know, if, if you're with that person, um, you know, they can, if, if you can roll that walker right behind them and they could sit down if they're in that freezing position, you know, or if you're, if you, if you have a Parkinson's patient, you know, um, and they're getting, you know, their symptoms may be getting more sore, you know, I, if, if, if they're, you know, that, that medication cycle, if they're getting towards the end of that medication cycle, maybe that's not the time to get up, you know, or start walking, trying to get out of a chair, wait until the new medication, you know, their next dose uh, kicks in. Um, so there's all kinds of things. You know, I, I, I know a particular patient we had where she fell back, you know, um, she eventually got help in the home and got 24 hour help in the home. And I, I know the, the, um, live-in caregiver used to, you know, she would get into that freezing position and get behind her with a chair, you know, so that she could sit down. Um, as far as bathing, you know, and, and dressing, always have the shower stool, you know, the shower bench, the handheld shower head, grab bars. And same thing, you know, kind of for patients with Alzheimer's, you know, lay out their clothes ahead of time. Try to keep it simple, the pants with elastic waistbands, you know, um, tube socks instead of those the dress socks uh shirts that pull on over the head anything with velcro um if if one side is more affected dress that side first and you know avoid shoes with rubber soles because they can make someone trip um you know if the person's having trouble swallowing moist soft foods cut them small um thick drinks you know like shakes they're easier to swallow offer uh, smaller meals because sometimes even, you know, e eating a big meal, it makes them tired. So offer smaller meals. And I found some um, interesting studies 
being done on Parkinson's disease. Um, there was a study done that discovered uh, folinic acid, a compound found in medications to treat bowel cancer, may be beneficial to people with early onset Parkinson's. Um, this folinic acid was found to protect the nerves in fruit flies. And these fruit, fruit flies had mutations that mimic Parkinson's disease in humans. And because that medication is already approved for bowel cancer, the safety risk is low. And the development process for repurposing folinic acid for Parkinson's disease is faster than producing a brand new drug. And um, folinic acid is related to folic acid, but it's metabolically more active. And unlike folic acid, Acid, folinic acid is able to penetrate the human brain. So that's interesting. Also, they are they have um, been developing these laser shoes that are preventing freezing in Parkinson's patients. So they have these um, shoes that will uh, trigger a laser. So um, so when the 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 um, foot comes in contact, the shoe comes into contact with the floor, like the left shoe will project a line on the floor in front of the right foot. So the patient steps over or towards the line, with, which activates the laser on the right shoe and so on and so on. Because they find that, um, you know, why does this laser help? They they're finding that Parkinson patients experience a unique phenomenon. So by consciously looking at the objects on the floor, these visual cues, and they can stepping over them, they're able to overcome those blockages during walking. This activates other circuits in the brain, and it releases the blockages and allows the person to continue walking. So it's very interesting with those laser shoes, and that's why we were saying, you know, the uh, laser cane, the laser walkers. Um. Also, they found, uh, there was an article in the BBC that this woman who, um, her husband had developed Parkinson's disease, but before he had developed it, she kept noticing like him uh, having like this musky smell. And she kept, she said, and I kept saying to him, you're not showered. And he kept saying, yes, I am. And she said, well, maybe you haven't brushed your teeth, you know, your teeth properly. And he's like, yes, I did. And what had happened was um, she said it was this new smell. I didn't know what it was. And she didn't realize that it was linked to Parkinson's until she went to um, a Parkinson's support group and she noticed these other people having that same odor so she told scientists at this conference and they um, decided to well let's confirm her ability so she was given uh, 12 unmarked t-shirts to smell six were worn by Parkinson's patients and six were worn by volunteers without the disease and she identified the six uh, t-shirts worn by Parkinson's patient, but she also smelled the odor on a t-shirt worn by someone who was just a volunteer. And three months later, they found out that this person had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So she was telling us that this person had Parkinson's before he even knew or anybody knew that he had it. So it's very interesting now, you know, that um, they're trying to, they they have been experimenting and they have an expert in chemical analysis from Manchester University and trying to isolate the actual molecules that form this odor. 
So these are really interesting studies in Parkinson's. And there's one more, um, that vigorous exercise, high-intensity exercise can slow Parkinson's. And there's this new study um, suggesting this, that intense exercise performed three times a week can keep symptoms from worsening. And they've always thought that... um, you know, exercise for people with Parkinson's, including uh, rhythmic activities, balance and coordination, uh, traditional strength and flexibility exercises. But scientists from Northwestern uh, Medicine and the University of Colorado School of Medicine are saying that high-intensity exercise three times a week is safe for individuals with early-stage Parkinson's. And um, they found that the activity decreases worsening of motor symptoms which is the hallmark of the disease. Um, So these, um, at first, you know, people thought, well, high-intensity exercise was too physically stressful for individuals with Parkinson's. But um, they said that if you want to delay the progression of your symptoms, exercise three times a week with your heart rate between 80 to 85% maximum. And so Dr. Daniel Corcus, professor of physical therapy and human movement science at Northwestern University, has um, been one of the co-authors of these tests. And he says, you know, the clinical trial included 128 participants age 40 to 80 years old. And they were um, in an early stage of the disease and not taking any Parkinson's medication. So they were ensuring that the results of the study were only related to the exercise. And he, this uh, Professor Corcus stated, in quotes, the earlier in the disease you interfere, intervene, the more likely it is that you can prevent the progression of the disease. We delayed worsening of symptoms for six months. Whether we can pre- prevent progression any longer than six months will require further study. Um, and also, it, it, they have uh, just not said what kind of exercise is better than others. So they said, you know, this is not mild stretching. This is high intensity. So it's part of the idea that exercise is medicine. So those are really some interesting studies in Parkinson's. And one last study um, I found, and I found this to welcome our groups from Italy, from all our new listeners in Italy, that researchers have found a common psychological traits in groups of Italians aged 90 to 101. So it's in a remote Italian village nestled between the Mediterranean Sea and the mountains, a group of several hundred citizens over the age of 90. So researchers at the University of Rome, La Sapienza, and the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine, have identified common psychological traits in members of this group. So the study um, found that participants who were 90 to 101 years old, they had worse physical health but better mental well-being than the younger family members ages 51 to 75. And there have been a number of studies on very old adults, but they have focused mostly on genetics rather than their mental health or personalities. So the main themes that emerge from our study and appear to be the unique features with better mental health of this rural population were positivity, work ethic, stubbornness, and a strong bond with family, religion, and land. 29 study participants from nine villages in the Salento region of southern Italy 
The group's love of their land is a common theme and gives them a purpose in life. Most of them are still working in their homes and on their land. They think, this is my life and I'm not going to give it up. Participants had considerable self-confidence and decision-making skills. And we also found that the group tended to be (laughs) domineering, stubborn, and needed a sense of control, which can be a desirable trait as they are true to their convictions and care less about what others think. This tendency to control the environment suggests notable grit that is balanced by a need to adapt to changing circumstances. (laughs) My husband always says that I'm very (laughs) stubborn. And of course, my family is from, (laughs) my grandfather is from Messina in Sicily. So there you have it. And my survival tip of the week, there's health benefits of silence for your mind and your body. So just two hours of silence boosts the production of brain cells. This strengthens the hippocampus and improves your short and long-term memory while lowering the risk for dementia. Even two minutes of silence can lower your heart rate and blood pressure. And two minutes of silence has more stress-lowering effect than soothing music. Silence through meditation can even help insomniacs relax and sleep better. So for some people, you know, quietness, they don't like quietness. It feels strange. But for others, like me, I look forward to just some quiet time in silence. And it can actually help your health. It can help brain cell growth. Pretty good, huh? So there was a study in brain structure and function saying that at least two hours of quietness increases the production of brain cells. So it's the brain's way of preparing for upcoming mental challenges. Silence actually stresses out the brain, but in a good way. You can have better memory. So as your brain makes more cells, your hippocampus will get stronger. That's the the part of the brain that's responsible for both short and long-term memory. Spatial memory is also controlled by the hippocampus. Additionally, it'll decrease your risk for dementia, which is caused by brain cell damage. So the, brain, the birth of new brain cells will keep it at bay. To strengthen your brain, embrace periods of silence. So sit in a quiet space while you're trying to learn something new. The lack of noise will actually increase your brain function and help you focus. Silence can also provide heart protection. Silence is amazing for the heart. A two-minute pause can reduce your blood pressure and heart rate, which are both risk factors for heart disease. Even your blood circulation will improve. It's even better than meditative music. Silence can also be a stress reliever and have you relax. Stressed out, bask in a moment of silence. A two-minute pause will will promote calmness, relaxation, and inner peace. If you're really stressed out, extend the pause for five minutes. Sometimes people relax by listening to soothing music, but quietness quietness actually has a greater effect than meditative melodies. And quietness can even help you sleep better. Silence is crucial for healthy sleep. And achieving silence through meditation can treat insomnia. In in JAMA, internal medicine, It enhances the relaxation response and improves mood. 
Meditative exercises are also linked to a calmer nervous system. So all of these things encourage better health. Wow, I really talked. And I'm sorry if my words got twisted, because sometimes when I talk so much, I think my brain works faster than my mouth. So I apologize. (laughs) So I hope this week's show was helpful to you. If it was, or if you know someone who would be helped, please tell them about our show. Please like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, because that will really help others find our show. You can find links to the topics we talked about in the show notes for today's episode, episode 39 at parentsarehardtoraise.org. I'm here to help, so please email me. We're getting tons of emails, and I appreciate that so much, and I try to get, I try to, get to as many as I can, and I will continue to try. Email me at diane at You can reach me through my website, dianeberardi.com. You can follow me on Facebook at Parents Are Hard to Raise, and I tweet at Jersey Elder Care. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a counter-theme media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, LLC, New York, New York, under license of Broadcast Music Incorporated. Thank you so much for listening. See you again next week.